Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Leah and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, February 18th, 2013. And today we're reading from the big book. You're going to find us in Chapter 9 of the Family Afterwards on page 132, the first full paragraph beginning with, we have been speaking to you of serious, sometimes tragic things. Today's readers are Amy, Judy F., Penny E., and Judy B. Oh, wait, excuse me, the share code for yesterday's meeting, that's the Steps 8 and 9 panel, 3907. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Lois to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. Am I muted? Correct. Lois, press star one to unmute, please. Uh, This is Lois, the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you. I will now call on Rebecca to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. Rebecca F., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. I'm sorry, I forgot to say the number one. Number two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever nonprofessional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We're in the chapter, The Family Afterwards. We're on page 132, the first full paragraph. And I'll ask Amy to begin reading, please. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. My name is Amy. I am a compulsive overeater from Maryland. We have been speaking to you of serious, sometimes tragic things 
we have been dealing with alcohol in its worst aspect, but we aren't a glum lot. If newcomers could see no joy or fun in our existence, they wouldn't want it. We absolutely insist on enjoying life. We try not to indulge in cynicism over the state of the nations, nor do we carry the world's troubles on our shoulders. When we see a man sinking into the mire that is alcoholism, we give him first aid and place what we have at his disposal. For his sake, we do not recount and almost... For his sake, we do recount and almost relive the horrors of our past. But those of us who have tried to shoulder the entire burden and trouble of others find we are soon overcome by them. So we think cheerfulness and laughter make for usefulness. Outsiders are sometimes shocked when we burst into merriment over a seemingly tragic experience out of the past. But why shouldn't we laugh? We have recovered and have been given the power to help others. But why shouldn't we laugh? We have recovered. We have been given the power to help others. Now, as you all know, we are in the family afterward. We've been doing working with others to wives. I mean, we've been talking about the damage that comes with a compulsive overeater or an alcoholic to those that are around us. And that truly there is damage, that we can't act like the man in the story that says we come out of the tornado shelter and look at the damage around us and say, hey, ain't it grand, the wind ain't blowing. But having said that, why shouldn't we laugh? Let's remember where it is, where we've come from. Let me remember where I have come from. I have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. I don't know about you all, but a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, that was a death sentence to me. I was dying of this disease. But by the grace of God, we have a solution. The first chapter, we have a solution. It tells us we have a solution for those that have recovered. We have the 12 steps. We have a higher power now. We have recovered from the mire and from the deadly seriousness of this disease and what it was doing to us. Yes, there is work ahead. Yes, we must work with our families. Yes, we must trudge the road to happy destiny, but we must trudge. We must work for that freedom. You've heard many of, of people say on the line that freedom isn't free. So yes, there is work to, be, work to be had, but we are now empowered with the 12 steps to deal with recovery, with life, with life on life's terms. We now are empowered to find a new way of living and a new way of thinking and a new way of dealing with life on life terms. It's an incredible, incredible life that we have now in front of us. Why should we not shout with joy, I am free, I am truly free? You know, one of the stories is called The Keys to the Kingdom that we have in the book after the first 164 pages. And that's what these 12 steps give me. It gives me the key to living a life free of compulsive overeating, a way to handle life on life terms, and a way to find true serenity and peace. I have the promises in my life today. I intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle me. 
I have freedom from many, many fears. I recoil from the food as if from a hot flame. If that isn't miraculous and something to shout for joy for, I don't know what is. I recoil as if from a hot flame. That is beyond my wildest imaginings. I have a family now. I'm a wife now. I know how to be a mother now. Well, perfectly imperfect, I must say. But my life is full now because of this program. And on top of that, I don't have to carry the world's problems on my shoulders anymore. I have a higher power whom I choose to, to, to call God that I give my trust and reliance to. I learn how to love and tolerate others, and I learn how to have trust and reliance on my God. And then I also have a purpose in my life. Besides the wonderful gifts this program gives me of being you know, a, a, a wife and a mother, as I said, now have the power to help others. My story, my testimony, what this program has done for me, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now, gives me the power to carry this message to another suffering compulsive overeater. I have the power to be God's messenger of this program and give them this wonderful life, give them this freedom and, this, and what this program has to offer. This is something to laugh and be happy about and be cheerful about and sh- shout from the, root, the rooftops. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Amy. Would anyone else Amy, like to comment on what was read? This is Katie. Go ahead. Are you hearing an echo? Because I have an echo. Katie, star one to unmute. Okay, I, I unmuted and I was talking. There's an echo. Are you hearing the echo? Not currently. Okay. Um, but those of us who have tried to shoulder the entire burden and trouble of others find we are soon overcome by them. You know, this is, um, we're able to laugh at our the way we used to be. And when newcomers come in or we meet someone they, you know, tend to think, as I did, that my problems were too big. My problems were too big for God, and my situation was so unique that, you know, I can't possibly just, you know, put the food down and pick up these, these steps. I mean, come on, that's not going to solve my problem. And, you know, I am here on the other side with, you know, the life preserver. You know, I picture us on, you know, on uh, in a boat and we these people are drowning and we have a solution for them. We throw them the life preserver and, you know, they want to tell you the whole story of what happened. And, yes, you listen to that, but we don't take on everybody else's problems. We're not a bank. We're not a therapist. We're not a, you know, child psychologist, but we do have the experience of being able to say this program works. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what's happened to you. Um, this program works. I can say that without a shadow of a doubt that whatever your circumstances are, whatever your problems are, that if you surrender to this, to your higher power and to this way of life, you will recover. And, you know, that's the hope that we have. And in that, we can now laugh at the, the crazy things we did. 
And, you know, the fact is I don't want to do those crazy things anymore. I don't have to do those crazy things anymore. And I lived uh, to the other side that, you know, the painful things that I went through, I can look back now and say, well, you know, I have experience that I can share with others. And I can tell them that if they lived through that experience, which obviously they did because I'm talking to them, then they will have a story to tell also. And, you know, we, uh, we think cheerfulness and laughter make for usefulness. Um, you know, it's very useful. It's like, why would someone want what I have if I'm morose and glum all the time? You know, but I have to be reminded this on a daily basis because it's very easy to fall into this type of thinking where, you know, everything, you know, someone refers to it, uh, told me at one time, it's the ism, the ism of alcoholism where we just can get very um, too navel reflecting and too morose and too, you know, worried and too everything. Um, That's the disease. But we, you know, we choose not to live in that way of life today. And the way we do that is we share our, our awful experiences with others and we uh, remember where God has taken us from and where he's taken us to. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Maya. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. This gives me the chills. You know, we have recovered and have been given the power to help others. You know, given the power to help others. You know, where have I been given that power from? It's from God. God gave me this power. I am recovered not because of me not because of my sponsor, not because of a meeting. I am recovered today because of God's grace, because I applied these steps and I had that spiritual experience where I have neutrality around the food, where the obsession has been removed, removed. I spent years running away from the disease and not running towards the solution. So I have been given the power to help others. And as long as I stay in that place of humility, and realize it's, uh, it's God. You know, when I sponsor someone, the purpose is not to get them dependent on me. The purpose is help them to become dependent on God, to help lead them to the God. I am only a conduit. And how do I have that power? I have that power because it says here, outsiders are sometimes shocked when we burst into merriment over the seemingly tragic experience of the past. I know where you have been. I have been there. I have been in that quicksand. I have been at that jumping off point, and I am a witness today that I am not there, that I applied these steps, and I became free. I became free. I wake up in the morning, and I do not say, God, help me not to eat today, because I am free from the obsession. I wake up in the morning, and I say, God, how can I be of service to you and my fellows? And by having that as the focus of my day, I'm abstinent. It's a natural byproduct when, I'm, when you're recovered. So when, when this says, which we say in the beginning of the meeting in, in Tradition 5, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the, to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. That is the power to help others. My primary purpose today, my primary purpose is to carry this message, not Ken's message, not to get up in this ego saying about look what I've done, 
not to get prideful about the fact that of what I have accomplished or what my sponsees have accomplished or what this meeting has accomplished. My primary purpose is to carry this message, these first 164 pages, because these first 164 pages have the ability to give you a freedom, to give you a freedom for you to wake up in the morning, not to the four horsemen, not into the fear, to fear is today the day I'm going to pick up. Because if you're staying sober, if you're staying abstinent on the fear and on the fellowship, it's just luck. It's like putting a, a gun to your head and playing Russian roulette. Essentially, that bullet's going to come out. So the, the, the power that I've been given today is I have gone through these steps. I am recovered. I am recovered today. And by God's grace, I can carry that message to another compulsive reader. So why shouldn't I laugh? Why shouldn't I laugh? Because today I have recovered and I have been given the power to help others. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I, too, wanted to speak on a couple things in these paragraphs. It's a power-packed page, that's for sure. It says, we have been speaking to you of serious, sometimes tragic things. We have been dealing with alcohol in its worst aspect. Yes, and absolutely, those of us that are recovered do that. You know, we talk about the disease. We talk about the deterioration of our lives as a result of living a life of compulsive overeating. Uh, yes, we do that. We, we keep the memory green because how can I know where I'm going if I don't know where I'm coming from? i got to remember who and what I am. Yes, I'm a lot of other things besides a compulsive overeater. But if I don't remember that I'm a compulsive overeater, I'm doomed. Because how can I know why I'm living if I don't know what I was dying from? I have a path today. If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. I have a very specific path that I trudge. It says, if newcomers could see no joy or fun in our existence, they wouldn't want it. We absolutely insist on enjoying life. You know, obviously, those that are recovered are still subject to and subject of life. Just because we get abstinent and recovered in Overeaters Anonymous, life doesn't stop happening. Life still goes on. People die. Relationships end. Businesses fail. People get sick. Life still goes on. You know, life is difficult. It's designed not to be easy, that's for sure. It's designed to make us great, and, and that, is, that is possible by implementing these steps. You know, happiness does not uh, depend on me having an easier life. It's a choice I make. It's a choice to have a heart full of gratitude because I either can grow closer to God or I can move away from God. You know, that is my reality, but I have a choice today, and I have these spiritual principles that I have a choice to align myself with in order to elevate myself above life's circumstances. You know, life is challenging. It's not designed to be easy. If pain were water, the world would drown, that's for sure. But with, these, with the program of recovery, we have the opportunity to live differently to alter my attitude and my outlook upon life. It goes on to say here, when we see a man seeking into the mire that is alcoholism, we give him first aid and we place what we have at his, disposable, at his disposal. What do we have? We have recovery to offer. 
That's why I don't carry a mess. I carry a message. I have a very specific message to transmit. And we who are recovered, who have had a spiritual awakening, who have had a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery, we're charged with a responsibility. And that responsibility is to carry this specific message, not a personal message, not my own personal opinion or my own philosophy, but a very specific message that we have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And that occurred due to a personality change, a spiritual awakening, a psychic change sufficient to bring about recovery. And why are those who are recovered given that obligation and responsibility? Well, it's because you can't teach what you don't know. And you certainly cannot lead where you do not go. And you cannot be what you're not, and you cannot give what you ain't got. And so that's why it's very specific here. When we see a man seeking into the mire that is alcoholism, we give him, we transmit something. We give him first aid and place what we have. What do we have? We have a message of recovery. And, of course, on the bottom, as Kim just previously mentioned, we have recovered and have been given the power to help others. You know, we've been restored to sanity. We have soundness of mind today. We've been relieved of the obsession to use today. We're free of the beast today. You know, we don't have that voice uh, whispering in our ear, delivering an option to pick up that first bite We've been restored to sanity, and this is not about glorification of self, and this is not about uh, any kind of personal success. This is about getting out of your own way so that the grace of God can come and expel that obsession so that we can be of maximum service to God and to our fellows. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on these paragraphs before we move on? This is Christy. Christy, your turn. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I, too, like the, the passage that says, if newcomers could see no joy or fun in our existence, they wouldn't want it. Um, you know, I mean, there was nothing funny about weighing 340 pounds and losing a bunch of weight and gaining it back and weighing 300 pounds. I mean, there's nothing funny about that. There's nothing funny about um, being as miserable out of the food as I was in the food. You know, and that was my problem before. There was no transformation, no change in thought and action that happened with every diet I went on. Um, if newcomers, if newcomers, um, you know, see that I'm as miserable out of the food as I was in the food. You know, that's what my family sees is that I'm as miserable out of the food as I am in the food. You know, they're going to tell me to go eat eventually, and that's going to sound like a good idea to me too. Recovery is an inside job. It doesn't matter what I look like on the outside. It doesn't matter that I've lost weight. You know, in my case, I wore my addiction on my body. It doesn't matter that I can fit into normal size clothes and, you know, get excited about shopping and, you know, looking nice and dressing becomingly. None of that matters if I'm still a raving lunatic. Eventually, I'm going to pick up the food. What the steps help me with is, the, the greater aspect of my disease, which is what's between my ears. My thinking is really twisted and crazy. And um, 
you know, that's what applying the steps is all about for me. The real true recovery happens by transforming my life, by opening up a channel to a spirit in the universe so that I can live the way that I was really intended to live, which is not, you know, digging food out of the garbage and all of those stories that are amusing now, that are amusing now because I'm not doing them anymore. You know, we have a saying at my meeting that says, we abstain from negative thinking. I mean, who knew that that was going to be so hard for me to do? We abstain from negative thinking? Are you kidding me? Um, you know, I, when I came in, I thought all I had to do was learn how to eat. You know, I, I, I actually had that down really well. I knew how to eat, um, certainly compulsively, but, you know, to actually put the food down. And then what was I going to do? And then what was I going to do? Um, I was going to dig into this big book and, you know, follow the tenets of the 12 steps and 12 traditions like my life depended on it. You know, because I had a disease that was doing push-ups in the back room. It was nipping at my heels. It was going to get me at every corner. You know, that's what I had to do, and that's what I've done. And, you know, and thank goodness I can now say I've recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And, you know, I can, you know, I can tell those tragic stories from the past to newcomers you know, and we can laugh about that today. I can laugh about that today. It wouldn't be funny if other people told those stories, but I can laugh about that today because I'm not in that today. I'm not in that today. And, um, you know, I just, you know, I'm just so grateful, so grateful that I am, you know, I know as part of my recovery, I must carry this message to compulsive overeaters who still suffer for two reasons, so that other people are given hope in the same way I was given hope, and so that I don't forget who I am and what I'm up against. Because once I say, you know, thank you so much for, you know, helping me be able to buy clothes in a normal size store, I'll see you later. If I do that, I am in trouble. You know, I, I stick around. I wish I could say it was out of the goodness of my heart, but honestly, I do it so that uh, I can save myself from going back to where I was. And with that, I'm so grateful, and uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Let's move on to the next paragraph, please, with Judy F. Good morning, Leah. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, great. Good morning. This is Judy F., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Everybody knows that those in bad health and those who seldom play do not laugh much. So let each family play together or separately as much as their circumstances warrant. We are sure God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. We cannot subscribe to the belief that this life is a veil of tears, though it once was just that for many of us. But it is clear that we made our own misery. God didn't do it. Avoid, then, the deliberate manufacture of misery, but if trouble comes, cheerfully capitalize it as an opportunity to demonstrate his omnipotence. So I, I see this is to the family afterward, and it, it's um, parallel to what we learn as the alcoholic, um, that um, we made our own misery. God didn't do it. Back um, in on how it works, page 61, 
was it, what is his basic trouble? Is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? Is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only he manages well? Is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things he wants? And do not his actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can get out of the show? Is he not, is he not even in the best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? And I found in my experience um, living in a, um, an alcoholic home that we were all sick and that we all wanted what we wanted. And um, so not only the alcoholic, and, and today not only with me as the compulsive overeater recovered, uh, when, I, when there's disharmony, it's we want what we want. And this is giving directions to the whole family. And, um, and then dropping down to an opportunity to demonstrate his omnipotence. It, it brings me back to uh, page 68 and how it works. Um, just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? I just love that. That because we're, we now have a new, a new power and a new leader, not, not our own selfishness, that we can match any calamity with serenity. And we learn this from these pages, um, from the program of recovery, which are in these first 164 pages. And we keep getting taught on how God can relieve us of the obsession of the mind and also with our family members too, so that we can have happiness, joy, and freedom. And with that, I pray. Thank you. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Yes, Leah. Penny E? Penny, go ahead. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I love this last sentence. But if trouble comes, cheerfully capitalize it. Opportunity to demonstrate his omnipotence. Omnipotence unlimited power, authority overall. This this is major. This is like a promise to me that I can do this today, and I do do this today. This is part of my spiritual experience that has changed my life. Um, it sounds ridiculous, but if trouble comes, cheerfully capitalize on it. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I mean, I was miserable. You know, let me eat. I missed the red light. Let me eat. You know, I didn't get the raise. Let me eat. Anything. I ran out of of, um, ink in my pen. Let me eat. It didn't matter. You know, the little things were just as bad as the big. Always misery. Self-manufactured misery. But here it's telling us, but if trouble comes, cheerfully capitalize on it. So this is that turnaround to me. Thank you, God, because I turned my will and my life over to the care of God. I have to assume that it's all good. It's all of God. You know, um, all thought precedes all action, right? So if I want to be depressed, if I want to eat, let me think about it in a negative way. But if I want to stay recovered, if I want to stay helpful to others, if I want to stay connected to my God, let me capitalize on this. Let me look for the blessings, you know. I miss the red light. Well, maybe God was saving me from an accident down the road. You know, maybe I didn't get into that accident down the road because I'm at this red light. Thank you, God. 
part of this cheerfully capitalizing on it for me starts with, thank you, God, show me the blessings. Thank you, God, show me the blessings. And that is a total turnaround for me because it was always, ugh, Ugh, I can't, I can't believe this happened to me again. My luck, you know, the, uh, that, that's the story of my life, you know. I no longer talk about that. I say I'm so grateful for this. Thank you, God. And it does say in, our tw- in the AA 12 and 12 that it's during the darkest times, the darkest times that we make our greatest strides towards God. And I can say I've been there. I've done that. You know, the bigger the problem, the bigger, the most difficult problem, the thing that, thing that you think you will never be able to live through, thank you, God. Show me the blessings. That's where the greatest, the greatest learning comes from, the greatest faith comes from. So I'm so grateful to be here. Thanks, everybody, for letting me share. Thank you, Penny. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Star one to unmute. This is Paula. Paula, go ahead. Thank you. This is Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You know, I'm going to scoot on down to that last line. But it is clear that we made our own misery. And until it is clear, you'll never go to the next part. Until you understand who and what you are and did. But we don't stay there. We don't stay in misery. This is the wonder. God didn't do it. With that realization, then we turn to God. Avoid then the deliberate. And that's it. Deliberate manufacture of misery. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't accidentally do it. I didn't slip and do it. I did it. I deliberately did it. But if trouble comes, now here's the transformation. Now look at what happens now. Then cheerfully capitalize on it as an opportunity. There it is always. It's not what you say. It's what you do. It's how you live. To demonstrate how great you are, oh, no. Oh, no. I tried that and was very evident. His omnipotency, God's power in a life, no matter what is happening. Because I'd like to say, once this comes out, oh, no more misery for you. Oh, no, that's not going to happen. Because this is life as it is. As it is, not as I wish it, I would like it to be, those uh, wonderful things that we read about as far as we don't live there in that spiritual make-believe. We don't live there. This is the real world, and that is truly where we can live with this power behind us and in us and around us. Thank you for allowing me to share, and with that I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sarah. Can I share? Yes, Sarah, go ahead. Um, Here, we are sure God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. We cannot subscribe to the belief that this life is a veil of tears, though it once was just that for many of us. But it's clear that we made our own misery. God didn't do it. Avoid the deliberate manufacture of misery. but But if trouble comes, cheerfully capitalize it as an opportunity to demonstrate his omnipotence. Um. I wasn't going to share, but I just feel like God has saved me from such a pit of unbelievable misery, and he just um, 
just performed miracles, so I feel responsible to share that miracle of of the recovery of this program. You know, and and I don't necessarily feel that I'm completely 100% recovered. That I don't have you know still step work that I need to do. But that said, um, you know, through this program of recovery, I learned. My daughter was in an accident on Friday, and without this program, and in the past. I would have been totally focused on myself and on my own fears and on my own self-pity and on blame and on, you know, finger pointing and on um, all these different and all these different things. I would have panicked. I would have so many things. And now, um, through the study of you know and and the work, the inner work of these steps, of the whole attitude, of turning life over to God, of principle living, of, you know, exercising the muscles of gratitude, of God consciousness, I was able to be present for her. And thank God, thank God I was able to see miracles. My daughter's fine. The other person's fine. You know, God saved me from, you know, by by staying principled. And I was able to live... Um, a living amends with her, my daughter who um, who had, did not trust me for so many years, really like for so many years, and I had prayed for an opportunity to make a living amends. She's 18 years old, to be able to make a living amends to this daughter who spent most of her life living with me in disease. And how can I prove to her you know, or earn back the trust that um, I desperately wanted to have and the relationship I wanted to have with her. And by staying principled and focused and prioritized and, you know, um, and having an attitude of gratitude for all that didn't go wrong and could have, um, so many other things went right that could have gone wrong and, you know, still we need to deal with a lot of things, but twice she was able to thank me for how I showed up and dealt with the issue. And, you know, I'm so, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude for that. And um, and this tells me, you know, this paragraph shows me really what you know, I could have been a glumlot. There were people in the family who were finger pointing and blame, you know, and just you know, blaming for, well, I won't go into all the other things that, you know, they were saying, but um, but I didn't go there, and I didn't allow them going there to make me go there, where I would have in the past. And here, I'm, I was able to capitalize this situation, which would have totally brought me to my knees and, you know, lived, you know, just sitting and crying and, you know, panic attack, um, and fearful and hiding from life as an opportunity, you know, by God to recreate our relationship, which it very much did. And, you know, I can take something that's just seemingly so scary and painful and and turn it in an opportunity for greater closeness to God, greater closeness to my family, and a greater attitude of gratitude and joy for living and um and you know it's the third step prayer it's just the third step prayer let victory 
um, here. I'm not, um, um, it's like not, I can't even, whatever, the third, you know, let victory bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. And that's what this was for me, and that's why I shared. So thank you for letting me share, and have a good day. Thank you, Sarah. Anyone else like to comment on the paragraph that was read? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, good everyone. This is very emotional this morning for some reason. This is very emotional. It's so beautiful. We are sure God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. You know, when I first came into, into OA, and, and in my era, we have this thing called a We Care book, and we write down our name and our phone number, and, and one of the things is we write feelings. You know, and in the beginning of my eating career, that's what I did. I regulated my feelings through food. You know, when I was sad, I would eat food. It would make me less sad. It would make me happy. Then it would just make me less sad. If I was angry, I'd push the food down to try to quell that anger. If, if I was hyperactive, I used the food to calm me down. But towards the end, when I, when I finally crawled my way into these rooms, the best that I could hope for was oblivion. The best that I could hope for was to be numb. So I didn't know what I felt. I had no idea what I felt. So I would look at this We Care book, and I would look at what the other people's feelings were, and I would just write what they wrote because I had no idea. So to come in and I heard people say, happy, joyous, and free, I'm like, what the heck does that mean? You know, and it was always taken out of context. It was always like, well, if you stay abstinent, you're going to get happy, joyous, and free. You know, when I was like, well, when? Is it, is it 30 days? Is it 60 days? Is it, do I have to stay abstinent in the year before I'm going to feel this happy, joyous, and free? You know, and it's here. It's on page 133. It's in the family afterwards. After what? After. After we have had that spiritual awakening. Like, we are sure. We are sure God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. I wasn't sure of anything when I came in. You know, and step one, I had to recognize I was powerless. I had to say lack of power in my dilemma. Step two was I had to find that power. And then step three, I thought, well, if I'm powerless and there is a power there that can help me, I'm going to make this decision to turn my power. I wasn't sure what God wanted. You know, I heard this week that decision three is the, the step three is the decision to no longer make decisions. So all I did was follow instructions. I did those action steps. I had the spiritual awakening. And now I am sure that God wants me to be happy, joyous, and free. That's God's will. And if that's God's will, I am all in. I am all in on God's will. And I looked up that word free because I often now, when I put on that weak care list, feelings, I put free. So it says here, not under the control or in the power of another. Not or no longer confined or imprisoned. Because I was under the control. I always had a higher power. It was just food. My higher power was food. Food made a decision for every single moment of my life. I was under the control and the power of another, and that another was food. I was imprisoned and confined by a higher power, and that higher power was food. But today I am free. I just feel so emotional. Today I am happy, I am joyous, and I am free. And I am sure I am sure that's what God wants for me today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Yes, this is Deborah. May I comment, please? Of, of course, Deborah. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. And uh, yes, God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. And 
I also, you know, jumps out at me on the page, and it's been highlighted here, the cheerfully capitalize. Avoid then the deliberate, well, I'll back up even more, but it is clear that we made our own misery. The God did not do it. Avoid then the deliberate manufacture of misery. But if trouble comes, cheerfully capitalize. And, you know, like a neon sign, it has an, it as an opportunity to demonstrate his omnipotence. And I agree, and, you know, we don't read that early on. We have to clean house, um, stay close to God, and and then live in service. And it's after I've gone through these other steps. You know, I can't, I never was happy, joyous, or free when I was eating. That one time I ate 144 chocolate chip cookies in nine hours. Or, or not nine, but 12 hours. And, you know, that is just one of many uh, horrible things that, you know, it was a deep, dark secret, what's wrong with me, there's the time I drank the syrup of Epitech to, you know, try to alleviate the, the food and many other stories. And the big book has come alive through these meetings and through, by the grace of God, strong meetings where I went and I heard a message. I didn't hear the mess, but I heard hope. I saw hope. And for me, these last 15 years of studying the big book and even more so with the the, the meetings like A Vision for You, I, again, more and more jumps out at me that I can then, you know, convey to other people. And it has just been a joy to be able to turn to God, to relax, because I'm human and life happens, you know. I lost a job, um, you know, people get hurt, and yes, it hurt when I was walked out of a job, and it was like I kept saying, you know, what's wrong with me? Why, you know, why kind of, you know, I'm still selfish, self-centered at heart, and all I can do is kind of keep, for my sanity, is to keep coming back to the big book, reading, you know, 83 through 88 as a reminder every day what my job is, what, you know, where to keep myself straight and be of maximum service and do my daily, you know, spot check inventory as well as um, ask him to guide me through the day. And what's the next right thing but to cheerfully capitalize? You know, I don't know what's going to happen today or the next day. Sometimes I go, well, I never knew this was going to happen when I woke up this morning. But where can I turn it or ask for his help and create a positive experience? You know, what are you trying to teach me, Lord? I, I am more inclined to take the advice of these first 100 men and women and, you know, 
where can I turn this around and look for the good? Uh, like the lady with the light and slowing me down, I, I also think like that, you know. Must be, you know, he's just trying to tell me to slow down, to take time. And I am very grateful. And um, with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is Leigh. I, too, wanted to comment on this. It says, but it is clear that we made our own misery, meaning I was the author. <laughs> I was the architect of this uh, misery. God didn't do it. Um, you know, and that is something to accept and to uh, fully realize, you know, that I was the creator of my own pain. No one was doing that to me. <laughs> no one was doing that to me. I was doing that on my own particularly between my ears, um, you know, that dangerous neighborhood uh, in my mind. Um, Avoid then the deliberate. And again, deliberate means voluntary. It means willful. The willful, the voluntary manufacturer of misery. That's why I I need a new mind. That's why the program of recovery teaches me that the greater aspect of my disease resides in my mind. External conditions were never a remedy for an internal condition called compulsive overeating. Yes, I have an allergy of the body. Yes, I do. That is a component of my disease. But, you know, elimination of those substances should take care of my my disease, right? But it doesn't because the greater aspect of my disease resides in my mind. That's why the program of recovery teaches me I needed a new mind, a spirit-guided mind, and I can get that through the process of the 12 steps. That's why there's not a spiritual part of the program of recovery. It is a spiritual program. Its entirety is spiritual. It says avoid then the deliberate manufacturer of misery, but if trouble comes, because trouble will come, like I said, for most people, life is fairly consistently difficult. Life is difficult. That's a given. have to make peace with that now. There's crisis. There's failure. There's illness. There's difficulty. But if trouble comes, cheerfully capitalize it as an opportunity to demonstrate his omnipotence. And today I realize that God doesn't exist in my life in a personal way unless I either decide to believe he exists or decide to live my life as if I believe he exists. Either decision profoundly affects my attitude. Either decision profoundly um, affects my thinking. And my attitude and my thinking affects just about every aspect of my life. So the program of recovery has basically taught me that a life based on the belief that God exists is going to be far superior to a life without that foundation. So the days that I live one day at a time, please God, for a long time, consist of reality, which is created by God. God creates my reality, plus my attitude, which is created by me. My attitude and my thinking is created by me. Reality is created with, by God. But my attitude and my thinking is created by me. So God and, and I are, are, are thus the uh, co-creators. We're the co-creators of my day. Which one do you think is more important for me to have a good day? 
My attitude. <laughs> my attitude. Because, again, external conditions were never a remedy for my disease, which is an And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Star one to unmute. Hi, this is Regina. I'd like to comment. Please go ahead. Yes, I was just on uh, the part about where he says that we either have a choice. Um, oh, jeez, I'm sorry. Try to remember that. Oh, yes. God didn't do it. Avoid the deliberate manufacture of misery. But if trouble comes, cheerfully capitalize it as an opportunity to demonstrate his omnipotence. And it's like if you have two choices, a calamity come, whether you're going to get into self-pity or, you know, war with reflection, or you're going to capitalize and say, God, you're going to work this out. You're going to show yourself strong in my life today. That's all I'd like to share. Thank you. Well, thank you. And thank you to everybody who participated today in the meeting. We're out of time now. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Penny E., would you please read a vision for you? Yes, thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.